You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode 126 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Black Cat Manor. Hailing from Northwest Illinois, Black Cat Manor is a powder keg of raw emotion. Socially conscious lyrics set to blistering riffs and melodic breaks showcase the wide range of influences that pour from these seasoned musicians. Black Cat Manor is currently hard at work on new music for their upcoming fourth EP release. For more information on Black Cat Manor, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms as well as blackcatmanorband.com. Now here it is, their new single, Look Inside. Yeah, the 
Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, this is Jared Dines, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour. Run for the road, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the bed tomorrow, we'll do it, we'll do it all. Hey everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, I am your host, Chris Swinney, back with another episode of That One Time on Tour. If you're joining me for the first time, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar conversation. I hope you are all doing well out there and staying safe and healthy during the coronavirus pandemic that we are still dealing with. It's been about eight months now. I'm over it, man. I'm ready for it to to get better. Uh, I don't know. I just hope you're all doing well out there. We're trying to stay as safe as we can. You know, here I live in Indiana and uh, for a while we were holding steady and now the, the cases are going back up. So yeah, man, every day it just seems like it's something new and it's, it's crazy. I don't know. This month has been crazy. I've been doing so many conversations, so many chats for the podcast. Uh, I took a little break for a while because I had a lot saved on the computer on the old hard drive, but uh, I've been back at it. I've been doing two or three interviews a week. So I'm just, I'm just stockpiling, just, just chucking new episodes on the hard drive, getting them ready to go for you guys. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on this month, though. It's crazy. My daughter's birthday is the 19th. She's going to be three years old. And then on the 24th, it's my birthday. I turned the big 4-2, 42 years old. I don't feel 42 uh, unless it's the morning when I wake up. And then I feel every bit of 42. But uh, my wife's been like bugging me, like, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for your birthday? And I have no idea. When I was younger, it was so easy. But, you know, I can't say, oh, I want this like $3,000 guitar or I want this brand new MacBook Pro. Like everything I want now at 42 is so expensive. It's just it's ridiculous. So what do you guys think I should ask for my birthday? Give me some cost effective, cool gifts that you think I would enjoy. And I'll tell my wife and then she'll have something that she can actually shop for because I have no idea other than like a pair of jeans. And I've got a bunch of those. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be the big four, too. I can't wait. We're going to have a party over at my mother's house, which I, I don't, don't get to see my mom very often because of this whole pandemic bullcrap that's going on. So pretty excited about that. But yes, email me, do whatever. Let me know what you think I should ask for for my birthday because I am at a loss. I really don't know. I have socks. I have underwear. I have jeans. 
I have guitars. I have all kinds of stuff. I don't know. Uh, I guess it's a bad problem to have. There's probably a lot of people out there that don't have that problem. So I do know I'm lucky to have a loving wife that wants to get me something cool for my birthday. So give me some ideas, some cost-effective ideas. Uh, today on the program, Mr. Jared Dines. If you are not familiar with Jared, he's a content creator slash YouTuber slash musician, badass guitarist. Uh, he's actually the first YouTube guitarist, YouTuber, content creator to be featured on the cover of Guitar World magazine. That is a big deal, man. That is huge. If you grew up like, you know, like me just playing guitar since you were like seven, eight years old, Guitar World was it, you know, before the internet and everything, like it's, it's pretty crazy. We talk a lot on the conversation about how some of his fans, since it's like the YouTube generation, they might not understand how cool it is to be on the cover of Guitar World, but it's it's a huge accomplishment, and I got to give it up to Jared. He totally deserves it, but uh, he he's also released a signature series model guitar through Ernie Ball. Uh, he has around 3 million YouTube subscribers, over 700 million views on his channel. We have such a great conversation. You guys are going to love it. We talk about the inner workings of a career on YouTube, being a content creator, he told me that So Long Astoria by the Ataris is his favorite all-time song. Pretty awesome. Uh, I'm really glad that I could connect with Jared, being a fan of his. And uh, it's really cool that he actually really digs my old band as well. So uh, before I get to my conversation with Jared, and it is a good one, I got to pay some bills. I do it every week. We have some sponsors. The band at the beginning of the episode, Black Cat Manor from Northwest Illinois, I love those guys so much. This is literally like the ninth or 10th episode that they have sponsored. They're just a killer band. You have to check them out. They're working on some new music right now. Head on over to blackcatmanorband.com or check them out on all the streaming services. Also this week, my buddy Gary at partscasterconcierge.com. He builds guitars. He needs to build one for you. Hit him up, parts, bleh, partscasterconcierge.com. Uh, if you have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode, you can hit me up, tototpodcast at gmail.com, or send me a DM on any of the socials at tototpodcast. If you would like to support your favorite podcast on a financial level monthly, you can check out our Patreon. It is patreon.com forward slash tototpodcast. Uh, there's some bonus content over there, and I plan on putting more up very, very soon. If you would like to make a one-time donation to keep the podcast running, you can hit up my Venmo. That is at Christopher Swinney, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. I had someone from Australia PayPal me like $50, but there was no name on it. So if you sent me $50 on PayPal, I really appreciate it, but dude, you got to let me know who you are. For some reason, when it came through, it was just blank. So uh, thank you to uh, Anonymous Stranger in Australia for sending me $50. I really, really, really appreciate that so, so much. If you want to help the show out, you know, but you don't want to have any money involved, that's fine as well. The show is always going to be free. The best way to help us do anything is to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. It goes a really long way to help us get in front of new people. And uh, that's kind of the whole point of this. Get as, as many people checking this out as humanly possible. I keep doing it and putting out there the quality content. At least I think it's quality content. 
And uh, the more people, the better. So share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram, whatever. Help us out. Tell a friend, tell anybody you think would enjoy this podcast and let's keep it going. So I need to give a couple shout outs today. A uh, shout out to our art director, Sarah, over at Road Dog Supply. We have brand new merchandise, limited edition colors are selling out fast. So make sure to head on over to TOTOTpodcast.com and check it out. Thank you so much to Sarah for hooking all of that up over at Road Dog Supply. Check out the TOTOT community on Facebook and sign up for the mailing list to get all kinds of goodies and cool information about your favorite podcast. Okay, so one thing I want to say before we get into today's segment, the Canadian rock, Canadian rock wrestling, I think is what it's called. I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but they did this really cool thing where uh, they kind of they create avatars for this wrestling video game. And then they have these matches and then the guys kind of do the voiceover. And uh, the other night I got to wrestle. Well, it wasn't really me, but my avatar got to wrestle Mike Herrera and Stephen Fairweather from Gob. And uh, I got beat, but there's going to be a rematch. So if you want to see this video, I shared it on Facebook. I shared it on the Facebook group, the TOTOT community. I put a little snippet, little teaser thing up on Instagram, but it's pretty cool. It's like, I've got the, uh, that one time on tour t-shirt on and, they made me look way buffer than I am in real life. And I got to wrestle my career from MXPX and uh, Steven from Gob. It was really, really cool. And uh, I guess I'm going to be on there again. And Tom from Bigwig has a character on there. I've never been a huge wrestling fan, but it's kind of cool to be a part of a video game. It's, it's, it's weird. So check that out. Uh, I'm going to actually get my phone right now and see what that is. I think it's Canadian rock. I, I don't want to say this wrong. So... This this was unplanned. I wasn't going to say anything about it. And then I kind of remembered like, shit, I better say something about it. So let's see here. Yes, on Instagram and Facebook at Canadian Rock Wrestling. So check that out. It was an honor to be a part of a video game. And uh, it's cool that it's going to happen some more. So, uh, okay, now that that's out of the way, that's the intro. Let's do a segment. We've got a really cool segment today. So cue the theme music. Radio, radio, radio. On this edition of TOTOT Radio, I've been doing this a lot. I've been getting a lot of really cool voicemails. I go on our Facebook group, the TOTOT community, and I ask you to call the hotline and tell me about an album or a band that changed your life. It's really cool. I mean, it's a good way to kind of, I don't know, like I know there's so many bands that changed my life. And the cool thing is that most of the people that listen to the show, the bands that changed their life are actually bands that changed my life. So we have a lot in common. But uh, I was checking through the old voicemails today and I found a really good one. And uh, without further ado, here it is. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to play it. So here it is. Hey, what's up? This is Albert from the band Reliance. And the one album that changed my life was hands down Pennywise Unknown Road. I can remember I was 12 years old the first time I heard it. I heard that piano intro uh, for Unknown Roads. And 
after that, it was just fire the whole way through, a banger for every song. And uh, it just totally changed the way that I wrote and um, the way that I played. And it just had such an impact, even all these years now, to the way that we play and, and that what we write is just so awesome and amazing. So much power, so much force. The whole band was ripping. It was a great album. So I want to give a special shout out to Chris Swinney from that one time on tour. And you can catch us at on Instagram at Reliant777 and Spotify at Reliance AZ. And the one song that I want to hear is the, the track entitled It's Up To Me. Because that track had a lot to do with me taking charge of my life and me moving forward and making changes and just living life to the fullest. Thanks.
that was Pennywise, It's Up To Me, from their awesome 1993 release on Epitaph Records, Unknown Road, and Albert from the band Reliance out of Arizona. Thank you so much for your voicemail. I gotta say, Reliance is a great band as well. Very influenced by Pennywise, like he said. Reliance has uh, sponsored an episode. And I can't wait for them to come back and sponsor another episode. I love those guys so much. You guys will too. Check out Reliance on all of the streaming sites. Also, I just got to say one more time, Albert, good choice. I love that song. It's a banger. Pennywise is one of my favorite bands of all time. If you guys out there like Pennywise, go back and check out uh, one of my past episodes. I had randy from pennywise and jim from pennywise so you can go back to the back catalog and check that out but thank you so much albert for your voicemail if you guys want to tell me about a band or a record that changed your life you can call the hotline it is 1-765-372-8818 so that is it for the intro i know you guys are ready for it it's what you came for my conversation with jared dines no further ado it's right now we're gonna jump into it here we go and I'm on the line with uh, Mr. Jared Dines. Jared, how are you doing today, man? I am doing good. How are you, sir? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm just so excited that we were able to put this together. Uh, I've been a fan Finally. of your videos for quite a while, and it's it's really cool to kind of, you know, actually get to talk to you after watching hundreds and hundreds of your videos. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think we're up to seven, eight hundred now, which is probably six or 700 more than I should have done, but we're here. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. Thank you. You are also, uh, I hope this isn't a derogatory term, but you were the first YouTuber that I've had on the program. No, no. I, you know, that does stuff doesn't bother me. You can call me whatever you want. I really don't know what to call myself, whether I just say musician. I'm just, I'm just yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I make videos. I could be an editor. I edit my videos. You know what I mean? I do the thumbnails. I could be a graphic designer. <laughs> what, what do you want? You know what I mean? Yeah. It is what it is. So, you know, being a YouTuber, quote unquote, and all those other things combined with this global pandemic that we're going through. I know you just moved and you had a lot of stuff that you were going through, you know, in your personal life, getting things together. Has the virus allowed you more time to possibly make more content or has it been kind of the same as every day? The interesting thing about that is I've pretty much built my whole life to this point to get ready to the, for this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the last 10, 15 years, I've just been in a studio. I've done stuff by myself. I've filmed and edited all my stuff. I've learned how to edit my own videos. I've learned how to film and do all this stuff and record myself. So I really, when this happened, it was kind of just like, oh, you know, it's like I'm France and everyone else is fighting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I just kind of, oh, something's happening. Okay, that sucks. Damn. But so things haven't really changed. I pretty much just same as usual the only thing that has changed is collaborative projects yeah. if i need uh you know to be somewhere with someone or if they need to go film something then those are delayed for sure but so i mean most of it is pretty much the same i would yeah well i'll, <laughs> I'll say i'd never done any kind of I, i've written songs with people over like email and whatnot but i got an idea from you you do the shred wars all the yeah. time and watching the videos, you can tell that like you send out a track and the guys record themselves. They send it back to you, put it together. So a few months back, I wrote 
this like little pop punk song and put it up online. And I had like 40 people send me vocals back. And okay. I ended up, you know, the one that I liked the best that I guess would say, quote unquote, won the contest. I, yeah. I put it up on Spotify with like a real band name and everything. And me and that guy are now writing more songs. And it kind of was an inspiration from what you do. So thank you very much for that, man. I appreciate that. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's what I like to hear. You know, that's kind of my goal in doing all this is just to keep music alive and keep, you know, guitar and rock going. So that's that's awesome. I, I yeah, very cool, man. I would like cool. to hear off the top of the show. I want to get into some of your history and whatnot, but yeah, you have accomplished something that no one else in the world has accomplished. Okay, buddy. <laughs> you no, it's really cool, man. You are on the cover of Guitar World magazine. Oh, and you are yeah, that's insane. I mean, they call you a YouTube guitarist, whatever, but I mean, you're the first to do that. I mean, you you, yeah, you have a new weird. signature series that we're gonna talk about as well. But how did that come about? I mean, I know you're very popular, you have a lot of subscribers, people probably know more about you than some other bands that they love. But how did the whole guitar world thing kind of come into your life? I got to give a huge shout out to my manager, Tony Kapaki. He's the vocalist of Dragged Under. Little shout out there. Up and come and check them out. They're, they're sick. But he really put his neck on the line for me when talking to the higher ups at Guitar World and the people that he was dealing with. Because we have we have talked to Guitar World before. And it was never something that extravagant. It was just, oh, hey, you know, we are aware of you. We like what you do, whatever. You know, I shared some of their stuff. They shared some of my stuff. Very, very friendly. But that conversation didn't start until my manager started it. And I I was just doing my own thing, making my videos. And he was like, you know, we should try it. You know, he's up and coming. He's getting, at the time, I think it was around 2018. He was, you know, he said he's getting, you know, a million-ish, views a video and you really should get your name on there and the he they were like okay cool let's let's meet them and stuff so they flew us out and we hung out with them in person and it's all tied up kind of with like ernie ball and martin and guitar world they're all kind of they everyone knows each other in a way you know we're all friends so we just did a bunch of stuff with Martin and then went over to guitar world and their people like intermingle and kind of know each other. And then we, you know, so it all just strangely came together right before the pandemic hit. And we were actually supposed to launch my signature guitar, uh, in April and it didn't come out until the 21st of August last month. Um, so it was pretty delayed and to be expected, but yeah, it's been a ride. It's been a ride. That was two years in the making as well, the signature guitar. But yeah, to go back to the Guitar World cover, um, it just was a lot of talking, a lot of dinners, us, you know, vibing each other out and pretty much saying, okay, well, we've, you know, Guitar World had never really delved into that YouTube side and they're trying to stay modern and stay relevant. And so they're looking to us and, I've read Guitar World my entire life. I grew up reading Guitar World. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, when I was 12, 10 years old, I would be reading Guitar World. And so it just felt like like becoming part of this crazy family uh, that's all just one big family. You know, like I said, like, when you throw Ernie Ball in there and then Martin and just all these different companies, 
and it's cool. I like that. I like us all. That vibe is really good. Um, but it's been crazy, man. It's actually <laughs> insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel real. Was there ever a time like you're talking to them, you're trying to figure it out? Was it always going to be the cover, or did you get a call one day like, "Oh my God, I got the cover"? Like, how did like you see, was, you've seen was, Almost Famous where they're like, "Oh, we got the cover." Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was literally my manager showed up and he said, "All right, so we're hoping to get you on the on the cover of Guitar World for." Uh, for the summer and i was like what <laughs> so that was pretty much the first i heard of it was he had already been um conceiving this idea and working behind the scenes so huge shout out to him for that but yeah it's been a great relationship with them and their company since i they've been great yeah did you notice and i mean i know you've got millions of subscribers and everything you get hits all the time on youtube and on facebook once the cover came out, did you notice an uptick in any of your like your traffic to anything? You know what's funny about that is that I made a little video that was just pretty hyped up at the time. At least I was hyping it up on socials. And I'm saying I got this big video dropping. You guys want to check this out. This is huge. This is something that is means so much to me. And then when the video came out, it under performed every video on my channel that I've posted in the last two years. It to this day has maybe 50,000 views yeah. and an average video is around 200,000, 250. That's like a shit post video. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I know it's, it's like, that's still 50,000 views, but I was like, this is so strange. So I don't know if my audience really, uh, is that age to understand, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like, oh, that's cool. Because I think to them, they're like, well, who buys magazines anymore? Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like a lot of people are just like, oh. and we're just in that shifting of of times where it kind of surprised me, but I was still like, I don't care. Like <laughs> I'm still fucking hype. This is sick. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting to see that for sure. So, you know, one of the other cool things that kind of goes hand in hand with that Guitar World article is you have a signature guitar through Ernie Ball. For me, yeah. watching your videos, I know that you've played Ernie Ball stuff forever. That relationship, you know, you said it was already kind of going. You, you knew those guys, you'd worked with them in the past. How did that come about where they're finally like, hey, man, let's do your own guitar? Yeah, so... We had talked probably since 2016, I want to say, and it was just strings. They had sent me a couple packages, care packages, um, handshake deal, kind of stuff like that. And then they eventually sent me a guitar. And once they sent me a guitar, I started doing a lot more videos with the guitar and they were seeing the promo of that and they were, oh, this is cool, you know. So they were getting what what they wanted. And it just kind of grew from there over the next two, three years. We started discussing the signature about a year later, uh, late 2017. And then it started, We, me and my manager flew down to California to meet with Sterling and the Ball family. All the balls, all the balls were there in the court. And uh, we met with them and it was really cool. It was a little, I was a little nervous because I'd never done something like that before. And I was kind of sitting around this like Arthur round table 
the knights of the round table, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this huge table in this like meeting place that smelled of rich mahogany. And there's just <laughs> a bunch of executives everywhere. And they're all just sitting there in their, you know, pencils and their notepads. And I'm just like, I look like a street rat. I look like a homeless dude. Just like, how's it going, guys? Okay. But uh, they were so nice, and Sterling was there, and he's a character, and he actually built me a guitar right there on, on the spot. And I don't know if you can see it too well in the video, but it's that red one. Oh, yeah, I see the red the one. With the gold and the black. Yeah, behind yeah. you, yeah. So, yeah, that was the first one. Uh, my first prototype for my um, signature was that guitar. And then I took it home, played with it for a few months, and sent some notes. And then eventually we ended up on the signature that I have now. Uh, but that was very cool experience. I had never done anything like that, especially physically flown somewhere to meet with a company and yeah. discuss, you know, potential. I didn't even think about it at the time. I still don't really register how much they stuck their neck out for me and how much they are um, going into full production for an artist like that. I mean, I mean, an artist that's, known for YouTube and Facebook and pretty much not anything real life, like real world, Yeah, you know, like the guitarist of Avenged Sevenfold, you know what I mean? They yeah. tour, they have hits, they go out and you know what I'm saying? I'm, I make YouTube videos, so it's different, but they've been happy and I've been happy and it's just a changing of the times, I think. I'll tell you, man, I, I, I teach guitar for a living. I have a, a music camp for kids where we put bands together. And when I ask these kids all the time, I'm like, well, you know, who are your favorite guitarists? They don't tell me Slash or Sinister Gates. They say Jared Dines and Stevie T and yeah, Davey 504. Like it's, it's insane that it might seem weird to like, I'm an old school guy. I'm older than you. I, I'm in my, you know, early forties, but even you growing up on guitar world, kind of having that same thing where you liked bands and you were into that. YouTube isn't a new thing, but I think that this this new generation of kids, you and Stevie and guys like that are their guitar heroes, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. You see, back in the day, we had MTV, we had Fuse, we had magazines. I mean, my parents wouldn't let me read or watch half of it, so I had to sneak it, which made it even harder to digest new music. But nowadays, you see six, seven, eight five-year-old kids with an iPad or an iPhone on YouTube and they have a little guitar by the time they're 10 years old they're a shred master yeah you know what I'm saying and it's kind of the product of the whole you know uh iPad raised kid kind of situation which I'm not knocking that you know I'm not saying don't ever let your kid have a, a phone or whatever but like it's just the truth and instead of going on MTV and Fuse and going to magazines it what's online is Facebook and YouTube and you know they type in guitar on YouTube and hello, it's me. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you go on the internet and type in guitar, sure, you'll get your classics, your heroes, your legends, slash Steve I, you know, the Beatles and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But it just depends where you're searching, I think, is where you're going to discover, you know. And there's a whole, there's so many new apps now. Like there's not new, but TikTok and just yeah. crazy apps coming out all the time that I can't keep up with it, man. I, I was running my Facebook uh, and all everything, and I finally just gave someone control of the Facebook and said, okay, just post my content, whatever. Then I run my Instagram and my Twitter, and like, that's it. And that's too much for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's a lot, man, especially when people start like commenting and messaging, and then 
you get tagged in this and tagged in that. And then you're trying to like talk to people on Instagram. Then you got to talk to your friends over here and Facebook and Twitter. And it's like, Oh my God. And then, you know, days go by and then weeks go by. Then finally I'm on the podcast. Here I am. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, be careful what you wish for, right? (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. I always wanted that rock star, you know, lifestyle, which I guess is just completely changed from what it used to be. That the whole mysterious veil is gone. It's just completely gone. When your favorite, when your hero growing up is now on Twitch and you can donate five dollars, and they're like, "Yo, what's up? How's it going?" Yeah, and I'm not knocking that. I'm on Twitch too. Twitch.tv slash Dine. Sorry, <laughs> you <laughs> um, plug whatever you want to plug. Man. No, I just yeah, uh, doing a meme. But even when that's the case now, there's so much more tangible. Where there's you know, there's not much more mystery of it. It's like, oh well, you're just like me. You know what I'm saying? So the whole rock star vibe is just not that anymore, I don't think. There's still those people, but they're the top 1%. They're like your your Post Malone, your Cardi B's, you know what I'm saying? Like untouchables. But in the metal scene, in the rock scene, in the punk scene, it's um it's changed a lot. And a lot too in, in physical sales for CDs oh, yeah. and now we're just all digital. I'm sure you see that too. Oh you know? yeah, definitely, man. I mean, it's it's so weird because back in the day, that's you didn't have to tour to make a living. If you had right. a, a seed that came out and you had a good fan base, you get your royalties and you get everything now. Yeah. And now you can't even tour because of the fucking virus. So, yeah, I mean, so now you have to make do somehow you have to adapt. Right. Yeah. I seen a lot of people going to Twitch is yeah. a lot was what's happening and they're getting, you know, I mean, you got Herman Lee from Dragon Force, Matt from Trivium and just so many people that get thousands of viewers. Well, I think is, Paolo's doing it now, too. He was on the yeah. show a couple months back. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Matt kind of was like, hey, guys, everybody do Twitch. <laughs> yeah, man. He's killing it. Like they just did a concert, a Trivium concert. I saw the one where they did like the, the deep cuts, right? Yeah, yeah, the Deep yeah. Cuts concert. There's like 20,000 people watching. Can you yeah. imagine 20,000 people in front of you physically? That's crazy. That yeah. would cost millions of dollars to put that together. You yeah. know what I mean? But, oh, here's a camera and, and yeah, just all stand in a room and, okay, here you go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's just a different type of entertainment that has to kind of adapt for now. Hopefully, we can go back to real shows, of course. But if, if we will or not, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's one of those things where you know, COVID's always going to be there. It's it's going to die down. I hope, I hope, but it's always going to be there. You know what I mean? So there's always going to, there's going to be those people that are like, well, I don't know, man, maybe we'll just stay inside and watch them on live. You know what I mean? Hey guys, it's Chris breaking into the action to tell you about a brand new sponsor for the podcast. Spam, not spam, spam. What is spam, you say? Is it music? Is it art? A label? A poster? Or a festival? Spam combines all of this and so much more. S-B-A-M. Four letters in punk rock to watch out for. There is hardly any band or artist in the punk rock world that has not worked with spam before. For the latest news, records, art, or to check out their iconic music festival, please visit www.sbam.rocks. That is www.sbam.rocks. So you're talking about, you know, we're talking about the trivium thing that just happened. 
Um, I know you have a connection with Matt. I've seen him in your videos. I know you toured with those guys. How did that yeah. relationship come about? That was actually a person on Twitter who tweeted at me and Matt and just said, I want to see you two in a Shred Wars video. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up listening to Trivium. I love Trivium. Let's go. And then to my surprise, Matt said, yeah. And I was like, excuse me, you what? And then he was like, yeah, I'm a big fan of your videos and stuff. And I wasn't aware that he had been interested in the Twitch thing. This was, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. He was really looking into getting into the digital side of it and YouTube and stuff. So he had discovered me unbeknownst to me. But when I found out, my jaw hit the floor and I was like, well, yeah, let's do a Shred Wars. Obviously, let's go. And so we did it. Um, and we just kind of talked since and kept in touch. And I had a couple little collabs here and there. I'd reach out. Hey, do you want to do this little shred? Yeah, let's do it. You know? Um, so then I went and met him because he came to Seattle on tour and he said, Hey, come out. And you know, if you want to play a couple songs with us on soundcheck, just to have a fun little time, or whatever, film it, be a cool video. You can do that. And I said, sure. So we met, vibed really well, got along really well, played uh, through two or three songs, sound check. I was super nervous, <laughs> but it was awesome. It was so much fun. You know, no, no audience, of course, but it was just, oh, to me, there was just like 10,000 people watching, you know what I mean? Uh, so we did that and hung out. And then I think it was about a f six or eight months later, maybe even a year. It's my time frame back then is so bad, but he had said, hey, I'm going to be doing this tour. You should come out, maybe play a few few songs, and then uh, film it, do a little vlog. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So a couple weeks went out. And then mid-tour, he had to leave because his wife was pregnant. And she was like, I'm popping. So he had to go. And there were 10 days left of tour, I believe. So yeah, I had to start learning <laughs> some Trivium songs. And luckily... Because he had brought me out for a song or two each night for the previous week and a half, I had already learned a few of them, at least probably, you know, eight, I would say, of their 16, 17 song set. So it wasn't insane, but it was still for me insane. <laughs> well, it's not like you're Especially learning Green Day songs. You're learning Well, yeah, songs. exactly. Yeah. And I had playing Matt solos and stuff like that. He wanted me to sing and do it. And I said, no. I, that's where I drew the line. I said, I'm not doing vocals and the guitar. I'll, I'll try and kill myself and learn the guitar for the next, you know, 48 hours. Try to learn the rest of your set. But no, nah. that's where I draw the line. And so he had Howard Jones and Johannes from Avatar come up and fill in. And also Paolo and Corey did backing uh, and lead vocals. And they killed it, actually. They carried a lot of the vocal weight um, that rest the rest of those 10 days. They're very impressive, um, but it was crazy, man. It was crazy. One of those, one of those things that's just so random. But it just, you know, when you're in this industry, shit happens like that sometimes. You know what I mean? Is that where your relationship with Howard came about? Because I know you guys are working on a project right now, right? Yes. So we met. Yep. Light the torch was on the tour, and we met. And he's. Uh, he has a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy, and it's. I met great. him one time, and he was like the nicest guy. I met him at a festival, oh, and he was just the best yeah. guy ever. Yeah, pa pause. Most positive, just teddy bear I've ever seen in my life. 
but he was always out running and jogging like five, six in the morning. And I'd wake up and I'd take my camera out there, you know, and film some early morning shots for the vlogs. So we would start just kind of chatting, you know, he'd walk up and stuff. And he would, I would, he said that I was always kind of quiet and just by myself and everyone around Trivium was so loud always. And so he liked coming over to me and just being like, yo, what's up? You know, cause it was very just calm, uh, which is just totally true to, to him. But then when he gets on stage, he explodes and just erupts into this ball of energy. Uh, and we, we just hit it off. Um, of course I've, you know, kill such engages one of my top three favorite bands. I grew up listening to them since I was a kid. So I was trying to contain myself the entire time, you know, from <laughs> yeah. just absolutely freaking him out, thinking I'm insane. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he had said on that tour, you know, let's stay in touch. And so we did. And he hit me up. I think it was a few months back now. Um, and he has said, said he had more free time because of the quarantine and same. So let's start doing some music. So I sent him some tracks. He sent me some vocals and we're actually getting together at a studio um, on the 14th for a week. We're going in with uh, my producer, Hiram Hernandez, and we're going to finalize those songs. We have 10 right now and we're hoping to at least get six really, really final and then release a couple right shortly after that. So I'm excited, man. I'm I don't know how it's going to turn out. It's just I feel that my sound is very inspired by Killswitch as it is. Yeah. So I'm not trying to write a new Killswitch record with Howard. It's just probably going to sound like that naturally, I think, because it's Howard and then it's me inspired by Killswitch. So it kind of just I don't know. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But I'm excited. It's another one of those things. It's just like this is my life and it's absolutely insane. I have no idea what I'm doing. Why am I here? It doesn't make any sense. So you've been, you know, doing YouTube for about a decade now. Um, I know you played in a lot of bands. You kind of went the, you know, quote unquote, normal route of being a musician. When did you start posting your videos and like what led you to do that? It was around 2014 and I had always been interested in videography and editing home videos. So America's funniest videos type stuff, you know. Um, I was very much into and me and my brother, we had a little Sony flip camera and we would make these cringy just home videos of stupid skits. And so I had always grown up with that aspect. And then when I discovered music, it kind of just made sense that the two of them collided. And it wasn't until around 2014 when I moved out uh, and was doing the studio stuff. I was recording bands, trying to do that, making just no money at the time. Um, charging like 50 bucks a song, just trying to get somebody <laughs> into the studio. And yeah. like my mixes were decent, but uh, it wasn't working. So I was just having free time and trying to kind of get myself out there in other ways and promote the studio. So I would put my videos out and I would do these covers and they would say, record it at Joe's studio, you know, which was what I called my studio. Uh, Joe was my cat. 
And so that would be my promo. So I would do some vocal covers, put those out, you know, 100 views, 200 views, pretty good, you know, kind of cool. Nothing really came of the of the studio stuff. But then I started doing the silly content and I started doing like the 10 Styles of Metal video, which was actually the first video that went viral that kind of sparked everything. It was just me being bored in my house and just having an idea, you know, oh, well, let's just, I don't know, just do a silly little, I don't know, what if I was parroting just 10 styles of metal to somebody who has never listened to metal before, you know, let's give them a quick beginner guide real quick. That was it. And I didn't think anything of it. And I thought, you know, a couple hundred views later, you know, I forget about a dumb video, probably delete it later. And it blew up. And I think it's now like 15 million views. Wow. It's not, it's no longer my biggest, which I'm so excited about. That means I, I've outdone myself at least <laughs> once. I have two hits. I have two hits. Um, what is the biggest? But yeah. So the biggest is Every Guitar Store Guitarist, which is a skit that I did with a few of my buddies at this guitar store in Seattle. And it was a slow burn for sure. It did well, but it kind of peaked at like two mil. But then over the last couple of years, it's just six mil a year. It's been crazy. I don't know what's going on. But it finally passed it. And I was like, yes, I'm not the 10 styles of metal guy anymore. <laughs> and it felt so good. But uh yeah, man, it was just me kind of doing what I enjoyed. And then I had a lot of studio experience, a lot of, you know, stereotype experience, uh, things to make fun of, I guess, where it's not half the things I say is things I've said. Because, <laughs> you know, when I'm recording drums or when I'm recording guitar or sitting behind the console and recording a band, there's these are all things I've said. Yeah. So like sometimes people will watch these videos and say, he's a dick. Like he's making fun of everyone and they're just trying to like do this stuff. And it's like, I'm making fun of myself and I get that it's coming across that way, but this is all things I've done and said. You know, this is personal experience. We but. used to make fun of our singer, Chris Rowe and the Ataris, when we were recording demos and stuff. He would always say one more time about eight hundred times. So yeah. we would like take bets on like how many times do you think he's going to say one more time? <laughs> That's so funny, dude, to this day. And you can go back in all of my earliest videos. I have held to saying that these songs, so long a story is my favorite song I've ever heard. That's and awesome. you can go back and you can go back. There's, there's multiple videos, Q and A's of me saying this, of people saying, what's your favorite song ever? So long a story. And I don't, I think I know why is because I grew up, watching the Goonies and it had oh, yeah. very Goonie vibes. You know what I mean? It was like almost Goonie inspired. That whole right? record like, is inspired. Like that's the funny thing. I remember being in like Brooklyn or somewhere playing a show and this guy came up to me in the bathroom and he goes, Oh, the Ataris, Astoria, like in Queens. I'm like, no, Astoria, Oregon, dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. I've been through there a couple of times. It's, the house is there, but you can't go anywhere near it now. Yeah. They have it all blocked off and stuff. I, I left I left the band, and like a year or two later, uh, my stepbrother was actually, he kind of took over for me playing guitar. And gotcha. they did the 25-year or 30-year anniversary of the Goonies, like this big festival, and like Corey Feldman hosted and all this crap. <laughs> and they got, That's and, awesome. Well, they, they, they played like the festival, and they got to go up to the house and everything. But I think they opened it on like certain occasions, but I think someone lives yeah. there now. Okay, gotcha. So, did you you were on for that record? So long a story. No, I, I joined joined okay. shortly thereafter. I, I've known Chris, gotcha. uh, the singer, for a really long time. We're both from the same area of Indiana. 
Gotcha. And, but gotcha. I played that yeah. song a million fucking times. Oh, I bet, dude. <laughs> I bet. I mean, there was that whole record was sick. I remember listening to that record back to back to back. I mean, for probably, I would say from like 16 to 18 at yeah. least. Yeah, it was a it was a solid jam. I really enjoyed that record. Awesome. Um, yeah, but I I always use that little thing though. Like when I emailed you, I was like, "Hey, man, I'm a fan of yours. You should come on my show." By the way, <laughs> I used to play in this band that maybe you've heard of. I use that just to get my foot in the door sometimes. You know, know and there's honestly there's no shame to that yeah. because in today's world, I get those messages all the time yeah from so-and-so who has three followers you know what i mean and i'm not knocking those people and sometimes i do those interviews but when you get 10 or 12 of them it's good to be able to be oh this guy is you know <laughs> i know the ataris i would actually enjoy discussing with yeah. this man you know what i mean like <laughs> so i appreciate that it helps me because a lot of times i skim i skim i read quickly through my emails when i don't know who they are so when i see uh, oh guitarist ataris oh okay yeah what's up you know what i mean like <laughs> It's just because it's a time thing, you know? There's, oh, yeah. I, dude, I was thinking busy. about this earlier. It's like I'm 30 years old. I have maybe 30 more good years left. Good years, yeah. Good years left. So well, dude, I'm, I need I'm to 41. get to work. <laughs> I'm, I'm 41 and I'm starting to feel it. But I also have two toddlers and I think they took about oh, 20 yeah. years off my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel that, man. I have no kids yet. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm not against it. My my son Silas, he's uh, he's four now, and every night when he's going to sleep, I lay down beside him and we watch YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is he really likes you, but he always asks for the crazy guitar guy, Steve. Stevie T. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm just diet Stevie T at this point. <laughs> Pretty much. That's so funny. I was going to ask you, though, you know, I I enjoy Steve's stuff as well. I don't see any ads except for just the, the, you know, organic like ads they insert into your videos. Stevie's doing like the the ball shaver thing and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like Manscaped. (laughs) Was was that a conscious effort on your part? Like, have you been like approached, I'm sure, by companies that would like to like promote on your on your stuff? My manager would appreciate if I took a lot more jobs. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did take a lot of jobs back in 2018 because I wasn't posting much content. And I just kind of live within my means, I guess. I'm not trying to just reap as much money as I can from any source. So there's a little bit of a preservation there of content integrity for sure um i try to keep it to one maybe two a month i prefer one a month if i need that even um so yeah i i don't knock anyone who take you know do you do your grind get your cheese you know what i'm saying but as far as i'm concerned yeah it is a conscious effort for sure to minimize it I've also not heard you really ever have a lot to say about copyright infringement type stuff because I know that Steve sometimes will say like, you know, oh, well, these are the the songs that, that have messed up lyrics and then he gets copyright mm-hmm. claims. So he has he has a sponsor. And I also, you know, I watch Rick Beato. I'm sure you've seen Rick on there. Yeah. And he always he gets very passionate about when his videos yeah. get copyright claimed. Your stuff always seems to be original content. So have you had an issue with that before? 
I have had an issue. Yeah, there's definitely things in my videos I've covered or little sound bites here and there that are two seconds, three seconds that later get that get caught. Um, I have had issues before. I we actually did a skit video, me and my manager and a couple of my buddies. Uh, it's called "What Happens When You Play Smoke on the Water," <laughs> and he basically busts through the door and he's this German Nazi Warner brother guy. You know what I mean? It's just all parody, of course, but. Uh, for playing smoke on the water, you know, like my entire life is ruined now, essentially. And uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. But I tried to do I've always kind of tried to do more original skits instead of covers. But I, I do covers as well. I enjoy covers only when I feel I can kind of transform them in a way yeah. and make something interesting. I do a lot of, you know, this song in this style or this song in this style type thing. I'll take a metal song and make it country. Or I'll take a pop song and make it metal. That's interesting to me. Um, Do those still get claimed if you change the style enough? I mean, like, so the things they can claim, and it's not YouTube. It's it's for it's the record label for sure. Because I think a lot of people think it's YouTube, but it's not. Um, it's the actual Warner Records, Sony Records, Universal type things. Um, they they own the lyrics and they own the melody. So if you're using the lyrics and pretty much, you know, the only thing you can get away with is harmony and rhythm, you know? So if I went, <laughs> I'll be okay. I can't get claimed, but you know, I, in one video mouthed my, myself going, and it was like, not even in key or anywhere near the right <laughs> notes. They still claimed it because I was referencing a melody that they owned smoke on the water. It was absolutely insane. So question about that then when all this trapped shit happened here recently Uh and you guys, do you guys did that? I guess parody of headstrong Uh or whatever. Did that get claimed? You know, I need to check that. I actually didn't check. I probably did. Honestly, if they, if they're, well, it depends if their record label caught it. I don't know what record label they're on. There's, three big ones on YouTube. It's Sony, Universal, and Warner. Yeah. They'll get you every time. I don't get many claims from other labels. I'm not sure what Trapped is on. But, it, that, yeah, it's it's they'll get you before the video goes live. If that got claimed, you probably could have done any other Trapped song and not got claimed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were like, wait, what is this? I made a Trap deep dive video, and I was curious. So I went back and I looked. How many songs do Trapped have? How many songs have they ever written as an entire band? And it's 89. Wow. And I said, rip the other 88, bro. Like, <laughs> what? I felt bad. Um, <laughs> but that, dude, yeah, that he, guy is a fucking tool, man. Like, I, I don't get political on this show, but the stuff that I've seen that guy say. You know, and the thing is, is like, even politics aside, it's like, I never said I've made some slight jokes about the guy. You know, I poke yeah. fun at him. Yeah. The only thing I've ever done is screenshotted what he's said and shown it back at him, and he gets mad at it. So it's like you're looking at a mirror and you're punching yourself in the face because you're upset at what you're seeing at this point, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you, bro. I'll see you later. But yeah, he, he's something else, man. I don't know. So when that, that, I don't know. <laughs> when that video came out, I mean, was there... I guess backlash from their fans. And then did he say anything as well? I mean, was he like 
pissed or oh uh, there is there's a 700 comment thread on that video from him fighting with all my fans <laughs> it's hilarious so i think he i don't know what he's on the only thing he said was he said i lied because i'm mad that that he didn't say yes to an interview back in 2015 that I asked him to do. And I said, I never asked you to do an interview because I didn't. I'm not an interview guy. You can go and look at my channel, find an interview. I've never done interviews. So I was like, uh, I think, and this is what I think is actually what happened because I literally went on Rock Feed, my buddy Brian Storm's page, and he has like a rock uh, news channel. And we were kind of talking about bullshit and you know a little bit about uh trapped guy before the podcast thing and and uh brian said yeah you know i don't think he likes me because back in the day i uh made this uh video and like kind of ripped on him ripped ripped on him and then i reached out and asked him for an interview and he said (laughs) no and i said this motherfucker thinks i'm brian storm (laughs) he this dude actually thinks i'm that guy because in his head he's probably like white youtuber uh same guy you know what i mean like (laughs) he kind of looks like him same guy so i'm just like whatever at this point i made the video because there was a lot of stuff going around about things he had said things that he had done and i wanted to kind of just know and give a history to a lot of people because when i had mentioned something initially they're like who the is trapped you know because that song came out 20 years ago oh yeah so you know what I mean? A lot of people are like, I don't even know who you're talking about. So I was like, okay, well, let's go deep diving. Let's let's show you new fans a little something something about this band called Trapped. <laughs> my my favorite thing about that whole ordeal is uh, that Ice T wanted to kick his ass. Oh my god, he got <laughs> he pissed everyone off, dude. And for what? Six hundred album sales. Yeah, first week. <laughs> For what? Like, oh, people are going to buy the record anyways, and this is all promo and what is it? All publicity is good publicity shit he was saying and just like, really? Yeah, I can tell, dude. Like, you had Ice-T retweeting you. You sell 600 records. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. This is, this is what they mean by would you rather be, you know, how you can be famous without being rich? This is how. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. be an asshole. And then there you go. No one wants to give you money, but everyone knows your name. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you about that was kind of controversial, I guess, is uh, the sped up guitarists. Sure. Now, I would I, every once in a while on, on Instagram, I'm sitting there at night with my kid and, and I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's crazy good at guitar. And then I look a little bit closer and I'm like, that's not real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's... Or, I, I get what you're saying. There's definitely those who do speed up, but there's also a lot of, I've noticed camera settings and weird filter effects, especially if you go on TikTok and you look yeah. at any of those videos, they do a lot of different filters that actually glitch and make your, your like basically cut frames to where instead of 24 frames, it's 20 or something. It creates a different look. Um, so with that in mind, sometimes it can be kind of like, oh, well, maybe it's just that. And a lot of it is pre-recorded, which is usually stated. Most people are aware, you know, when you're out, in, when you're out in a field of daisies, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, you're not, pl- you're not, actually and you're not recording. plugged into an amp. Or you're not no plugged computer. in. Yeah. It's pre-recorded. You know, we all know that. Um, 
but you know, it is what it is. I think if something is obvious, then it's obvious. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If someone, if someone says, you know, oh, I, I can do flawless this every time and then goes live and plays something a quarter of that talent sloppy, then it's like, okay. But you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It, yeah, it, I, I don't really know too much else to say on it other than be honest, you know, just be honest with people. Did you feel, I, I know that like there was this thing where you put a video out. Some of the people then, I guess, claim that they were doing it and you kind of retracted some statements. Do you re- yeah. regret that video or like, I mean, do you have any ill will towards all that whole thing that happened? Oh, no ill will whatsoever. I do regret it because other people and my peers were were hurt from it, which I didn't think about at the time. Yeah. And that was more so my stupidity of not realizing the platform that I had. Uh, by simply putting people in a thumbnail and, and in the video saying, you know, oh, they're, they're legit. I know they're legit. But making a thumbnail with that person and having the title fake Instagram guitarists in and of itself wasn't good. Yeah. Um, so I definitely learned respect, I think, have a little more respect. And my, my mistake was basically buying into the hype, I think. I, I had seen a video made by another YouTuber named Levi Clay who went in and basically dissected this, uh, this Lucas Mann video saying, oh, this is how you can see where it looks like it's not real. I don't, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not, I don't know exactly to this day what he said, but I kind of took it as fact and that was stupid on my part and I shouldn't have done that. And so I learned a lesson there, but I've talked to Lucas since and I've had him, I've had him featured in video and we've made up and we were good and are good. Um, and it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you get involved in something and you get really looking at your numbers and you get an ego a little bit and then you kind of just get in this steamroller of content, content, what's going to get views and clicks. You don't really think about, you know, Oh, am I going to hurt this person by putting them in a thumbnail on a potentially negative video? And then, you know, someone comes back and says, Hey, that wasn't cool. And then I was like, Oh fuck you're, you know what I mean? Like I need to wake up a little bit here. So it was a good thing that it happened because I've definitely learned a lot from it. And the people that I had in the, I deleted the video. It's gone. It was re-uploaded by a random fan, but I, there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've tried to uh, see if it can get taken down, but it is what it is at this point. I don't really care. I've, you know, made my amends. And the thing is, is like everyone involved in that whole scandal, whether it's Lucas or anyone else, um, we're all good. We've all done many collabs together since we all talk and chat and laugh together. It's a lingering thing because of the internet. And that's just kind of how it is, uh, where I might go and post on one of their pages and someone will be like, you fucking suck, get out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where it's the fans are still mad, but everyone that was actually involved is totally fine. So it's an interesting thing of needing I learned that I need to be careful in in the things that I say and the things that I do because when other people who aren't involved 
get involved, they stay involved more so than the people who are initially in the situation, at least online. Yeah. And that's kind of destructive. So I've definitely learned to be careful there. But yeah, um, I would say that most people, I would say 90% of people are pretty legit for sure. And then the ones that aren't, you you, you kind of know. You know what I mean? You kind of know. Well, you just mentioned kind of not knowing your reach or your power with all of the people that actually do follow you on on the World Wide Web, you know, to use an mm-hmm. old, old term. Um, yeah. How often does that happen? I mean, do you ever just kind of sit there and go, I put up a video that has like, you know, millions and millions of people watching it. Does that ever just kind of... I mean, that's just got to be kind of a strange feeling to know that whatever you do is so much in the public eye, even more than some celebrities, you know. Mm -hmm. It's easy to disassociate because I can just put my phone down. Yeah. Whereas if I was a rock star on stage in front of 30,000 people, that's a very physical thing I can't step away from. I have to have that ego. I have to hold that stance. I have to hit that note. You know what I mean? And that creates that different energy whereas this it's easier to say i'm just there's there's no way you can't think of that number millions you know imagine a sea of millions of people you can't you can't see them all you know what i mean so it just doesn't compute therefore like when i am talking to my chat even on twitch you know there's i see a specific type of person for a specific type of thing someone says. And it's that person every time for every person. You know what I mean? It's a disassociation thing for sure. But for me to try and picture that, I would go insane with anxiety. But it, it does make it easier, I think, um, doing it like that and creates that difference than having all those people in front of you because you you have to that you know you have to understand and accept you are that rock star when you can't step away from it but when you can it's like eh, you know what i mean it's kind of just imposter syndrome a little bit i think how how often do you get kind of this is kind of a dumb question but like you know you go into the gas station and get you know a juice or something do you get recognized quite a bit literally two days ago i had a amazon prime truck show up the guy comes out with this big box and he comes in, I was in the garage with Austin, my friend Austin Dickey, he's also not a YouTuber. And he just stands there and he's like, where do you want this? And I said, I just put it right there. And he looks at me for like five, like awkwardly for like five seconds. And I just like, <laughs> he's like, are you Jared Dines? And I was like, yeah. It was so awkward because he's standing in my house. Yeah. And he's asking me, are you Jared Dines? And it's like, he knows I am. You know, wasn't I mean, he delivering a, a package to you? I was going to say, he's <laughs> delivering a package to me. He knows that it's me. Well, maybe he didn't see the name or something, but either way, like, you know what I mean? It's me, it's Austin, there's a guitar, like, he, you know. But then it's it becomes this, well, now I feel uncomfortable because he knows where I live. I don't know this guy. You know what I mean? And he didn't even say anything after that. He just left. And I think it was probably because of like a, oh shit, like either this is really unprofessional, like I need to be careful here or he just kind of got nervous. I don't know what it was, but he just put it down and just literally walked out. And I was like, well, I hope I get robbed in in, in a couple of days from now. You know what I mean? That is increasingly happened. Like more so when I go to places like, you know, gas stations and stuff like that, it used to be just 
anytime I went to a hot topic or anytime I was at a metal show, of course it would happen. But now it's starting to go into, no, I'm just at a car wash or I'm at my own fucking house. Yeah. You know what I mean? And someone walks into my door and recognize. So it's an, it's a, it's something that that situation specifically kind of made me aware of, and it was fine. Like I, w- I wasn't like too freaked out about it, but it made me aware, like I, I should be a little careful here of, you know, announcing, you know, filming outside or announcing where I'm at or anything like that. Like it's getting to that point, you know what I mean? And I don't know if that's something I really want, if I'm being <laughs> completely honest. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I've had you on the phone for quite a while. I always have <clears throat> people on social media that ask listener questions, if you wouldn't mind answering those. Sure, of course. Okay, so Bill from Indiana wants to know, do you have plans to raise money to buy kids instruments again this year during the pandemic? I do, and I don't know how that's going to look because of the pandemic. But I'm hoping to do something, whether it has to be online in some way. Maybe we can work something with Ernie Ball to have direct shipments to houses instead of actually needing somewhere and uh, risking that. So, yes, I am, I I am looking into that. That was the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen because like, I work with kids oh, all you. the time and um, – Guitar Center sponsored our camp last year, and I was able to give some kids some some instruments as well. And I, I just I, that video was probably the most heartwarming, just amazing thing as a musician myself, and knowing how there's kids out there that want to play but can't afford to play. That was the coolest yeah. thing ever, man. Well, thank you. It was cool for me. It was a blessing. I feel like I just did it for to have that you know moment of oh, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it was cool, man, to see them, you know, the, there's a shot of it too in the video where a kid kind of just walks around. He just grabs one real quick when I'm, when I'm talking and introing everything, he's like, he couldn't wait. Uh, but it was cool to see them all just kind of go crazy and to, I guess not. And it wasn't even my, like I had the platform, but everyone provided the finances, you know what I'm saying? I put in maybe a couple grand and then everyone, it was like 78,000 more, you know, distro kid, uh, CEO, Philip bought the 18 string guitar for, for $18,000, which went towards that, you know what I'm saying? And then we had a fundraiser and they, the whole guitar community came together and it was really cool to see. Um, it'd be cool if we could make it even bigger this year. But like I said, we're still working on how to do that. But I think it's important to invest in the kids because guitar is dying a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. And if we don't inspire the younger generation to grab a guitar, to think it's cool, to want to play, to be the next Hendrix, whatever, then they're just not going to be there anymore. It's just going to die off. So that's just... Yeah, it was cool, man. It was cool for me <laughs> as much as I'm sure it was for the kids too. It was awesome. I felt I felt like I was a kid in, a, in you know, just kind of like, damn, you know, almost living through it in a way. Like yeah. if this was me when I was a kid, this would have been fucking sick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> cool. But yeah. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your question. Thanks, Bill. Mick from Australia. He says, "What what punk bands do you admire for their guitar work?" Oh, I like Bad Brains a lot. I like um, oh, Rance is cool. Your shirt, by the way. I like <laughs> your shirt. 
Um, I listened to a lot of Bad Brains, actually. They were sick. I didn't listen to a whole lot of hardcore punk. I listened to more punk, like Atari's punk, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did you get into any of the, like, fat records, kind of more metallic stuff, like Strung Out or Lagwagon? I listened to... Mine was more like MXPX, kind of... Reliant K, I guess. So kind of more like that kind of punk, more poppy, I guess. Uh, But I did listen to uh, some ska as well. Um, my cat, my punk catalog needs a lot of work for sure. I, I, I can send I you went, whatever you want, man. <laughs> okay, do it because I quickly went from punk to metal. It was yeah. a fast shift. It was like, it was like a year. My punk phase was like a year, and it went straight into metal and classic metal and deathcore, and you know. Well, see, I, I was I was the that. opposite since I'm like a decade older than you. I went from Metallica, Maiden, and all that stuff into No Effects. And offspring gotcha. and, and bad, gotcha. bad religion and stuff like that, you know. Okay, that makes sense, though. That makes sense. Well, Metallica always had the Misfits shirt on, and I, I saw Cliff in a picture wearing a Misfits shirt, so I got a Misfits record, and then it took me yeah. down to the punk side. But I still love metal. I'm still a metal guy, man. Oh, I love it all, man. Yeah, I love yeah. it all. You get like a didgeridoo with like a uh, one of those throat singer, <laughs> and just. Yeah, whatever, man. I'll vibe to it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Mick, thank you so much for your question. I have one more question. Caleb from Georgia wants to know what the biggest challenge you have faced in your career to this point. And that's probably a pretty big question. Oh, boy. The biggest challenge I have faced faced in my career to this point. Speaking would be one of them. <laughs> faces did. Yeah. The biggest challenge I faced in my career at this point, I would say this question. Learning. <laughs> yeah. I would say I'm not as cool as I think I am. Okay. And I I need to watch the ego. But don't you feel like with any sort of, you know, we were talking about the rock star thing, what you do for a living. Don't you kind of, it's not that you're not being yourself, but you kind of have to be larger than life, kind of have that persona. Even, I mean, it is you, I'm talking to you now and you seem exactly the same as you do in your videos, but don't you feel like, I mean, Stevie T seems like he's that crazy guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. He is. (laughs) (laughs) He actually is. I've hung out with him. He's very, very nice. So but keeping the ego in check, loud. keeping the ego in check is a good thing. But I mean, you know, on the platform, learning to take the hits and 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 yeah, yeah, learning to take the hits, but not getting, not getting all sour about it. Yeah. You know, learning to grow and and just accepting things and and moving on. Um, there's a lot of little things for sure along the way. Uh, maybe protecting the content a little bit more doing a little bit more quality over quantity but then again it's like i'm i'm happy where i'm at so i don't know what too much i would regret or change um i would say wasting time on people who held me back people who didn't have my my drive or my vision who i would either be a friend or someone who I trusted in and gave too many chances that ended up dragging things out for weeks or months or, you know, ended up delaying projects. 
uh, those kind of people are just toxic to work with. That's something I learned for sure. Uh, it took me a couple of years to figure that one out. But it all just comes as it comes. You know what I mean? You don't really, there's no handbook to any of this. There's no guide that says, when you get 2 million subs, you must do this to stay relevant or whatever. And sometimes there's moments where I fight with my morals and my career because I'll know like, oh, well, if you do this or do that, or if you, you know, troll this or be a douche a little bit in this way, you know, you'll get way more attention, but that's like not you. You know what I mean? So it is, it is this weird thing because people are just going to see you as you because it's not, it's not a TV show. It's not, I'm not on Netflix. You know what I mean? So there's still that, oh, this is a YouTuber. This is them. This is what, you know, there might be a little bit understanding of, oh, they're a persona, right? Yeah. There's a persona there or an act or you get a little more energy or whatever. Talk or the persona it. is just you and people think it's yeah. a persona, right? Sure. Right. I've had that too. I get that kind of stuff all the time. I don't know how you, I thought you were going to be much louder and much weirder and dorkier and people meet me and I'm just like, so, you know, and they're like, I don't, I don't, they didn't see that at all or, but it's that, it's that, you know, I don't know. It's the veil, I guess. Once it's pulled back, you kind of see. And, and I think I'm in this weird area where I don't really have a, persona i am just me because i don't really have one thing that i do yeah i play guitar i play drums i do vocals i do covers i do skits i do vlogs i do tours i play live you know what i'm saying like so i don't really even know what my persona would be so it's all just having to kind of be myself which is also a little scarier because then you're putting yourself out there it's not like you know uh, a character like say a doctor disrespect character. He can get away with being disrespectful, but he takes the wig off and he's Joe or, you know, whatever his name is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I don't have that. There's no blanket there. So it's, it's interesting for sure. <laughs> Do you, you know, since this is, you know, your job for lack of a better word, are you on a deadline? Do you have like a social media calendar where I have to do this because I have to do this? Like, do you, do you lay it out with your manager? Like this is when this video is going to come out and I have this much time to get this video done. Is it something like that? The only videos that are laid out that way with my manager are the ones where they're paid promotions because he needs to relay information to the companies. Otherwise it's just whenever I want to do a video, whenever I feel motivation or when I wake up and I want to do a skit today. And I feel that works well for me. I've given myself a base schedule of, you know, Monday through Friday, say noon to eight, you're working, you're doing something, you know, whether it's live streaming, you're writing a song, you're working on a YouTube video, you're answering emails, you're planning future collabs, whatever it is, I've allowed myself that. And that's pretty much my schedule. And whatever comes within those weeks is what I put out. Uh, there have been many times where I've focused on schedules of three videos a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or a video a day, you know, a vi- one, one video every Monday. And that all works. And I feel that I just have to do what I want to do at the time. If I'm feeling I want to do Friday, Saturday, Sunday videos only, then cool, do it. And then when I'm done with that, oh, uh, now I want to do something else. Okay, do it. Because if I fight myself or just like, 
put myself in a box too much. Uh, creatively, I suffer and mentally I just get bored. And I feel that it's too much of a schedule for me. It's too repetitive. I need something new, which I think is just something with musicians. If you're going to create, once you've created an album, okay, that's everything I've experienced in my life up to this point in that album. All right, now what? But if I just sit in a room for two or three more years, I have nothing else to give. You know what I'm saying? So it, I have to kind of just flow with it, I think. Do you, you know, uh, we're getting down to the wire here. I just have this last question. This is from me. You were talking about being content and kind of happy in, in what you're doing. And, you know, you've got your signature guitar. You're, you were on the cover of Guitar World. All this stuff, you're kind of at the top of the mountain for your, you know, chosen career. Do you have aspirations of anything else in entertainment? I know there's there's some YouTube guy that's now hosting like a game show. Like, is there other things you would really like to try that you haven't tried yet? I think I, there's there's two fields. Acting, I would have to like really dig down and learn, you know, hard training. But I think I'd have a lot of fun with that. And voiceover for uh, either cartoons, video games. I have a lot of fun doing voices. So those two would be something for sure if I wasn't doing this. Is some, it, it would be something I would go for for sure, yeah. Do you have any voices you could share with us real quick? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, not, I mean, I got me on the spot now. I mean, not necessarily <laughs> like voices, but characters. I like doing care. I like envisioning uh, something in my head and then kind of just like, oh, Adam Smith, shaping my voice. To, <laughs> oh, but he has a larger lip. Or, you know, or, oh, well, he's different or something. You know, I'm just going yeah. British right now. But uh, just creating things like that in my head. And I feel that if I had, you know, a cartoon drawing or if someone gave me, you know, this is your character, like create a voice and sit there and I could work with it like I would a riff yeah. and come up with a character. That'd be really cool. Or a video game creature, like, you know, some kind of like gnarly sounding <laughs> thing, metal scream or whatever. I would have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff for sure. That's so awesome. not too much different than what I'm doing now, just different levels of it and different platforms. The other side of that would be just a songwriter slash touring musician. If life ever gets back to normal, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Hey man, I Hopefully. just, yeah, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I'm a fan. I watch your videos every time you put them up. I'm a subscriber. My, my son loves them. I love them. And it's, it's really cool that you came on the show today, man. And I, wa you. I wanted to let you know that if you've got any of those signatures laying around that need a new home, let me know, man. I got you. Because <laughs> they're you, sold bro. out, right? Are they sold out now? So they uh, they are available again. They're available. So you can get them now. Um, there was, yeah, it was insane, dude. I did not expect anything at all. I don't even know the numbers yet. The exact numbers, I have no idea. But it's been pretty crazy from what I understand. So... <laughs> I am just more than thankful for everyone and thank you for having me on this oh, yeah. podcast. It's Definitely. been fun. I'm sorry it took me so long, but I, I tell you when it's yeah, someone that are. I really want to speak with, I, I keep pursuing and I knew that yeah. you were super busy and you were moving into a new house and everything. So every couple of weeks I'd be like, Hey, what's up, Jared? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that because we got it done. So I appreciate that. Awesome, man. Well, thank you once again. And uh, I'll be in touch in the future. And I hope you have continued success. And have a great night, man. You too, brother. Peace out.
So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Jared Dines. You all need to check out his YouTube channel. Just search for Jared Dines over on YouTube.com. He's currently in the studio working on new music for an EP with Howard Jones, formerly of Killswitch Engage. I can't wait to check that out when it's done. I love Howard's voice, and I love Jared's guitar work, so I bet it's going to be pretty awesome. Also, make sure to check out his signature guitar Head on over to ErnieBall.com for more information. It was sold out, but I think that uh, they're back in stock now. It's a great guitar for the price. It's like a $600 guitar, and I mean, the thing's amazing. So check that out. I know you'll love it. Once again, I would like to thank Jared for coming on the show. And uh, when that new EP with Howard is done, hopefully maybe we can get them both on at the same time and we can just get a, a fly on the wall kind of, you know, thing of how they put that together. I just, I don't know. I would like to be there and, uh, and see it because Jared's a really cool guy and Howard, man, Howard's just a, a killer when it comes to singing. So, uh, yeah, maybe we can get them on the show together in the future. And I love kill switch. One of my favorite bands. I need to get some of those guys on the show, but, uh, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for coming back every week, week in and week out. The show has been growing like crazy. I'd like to give a shout out to my new network, Sound Talent Media. You can check out all the other shows like Krista Makes a Podcast and Peer Pleasure Podcast and and just so many cool podcasts over at soundtalentmedia.com. Tell them that I sent you. They're really cool people, and I think you guys will enjoy all the other amazing podcasts over there. But yeah, like I said, check out our uh, our website, tototpodcast.com. Sign up for the mailing list. Check out our new limited edition merchandise. Shout out again to our art director, Sarah, over at Road Dog Supply. If you want to figure any of that out or you want to do any anything at all, there's every episode has its own little page. You can get all the show notes and everything. Our website is amazing. Sarah did it, and it's great, and I love it. TOTOTpodcast.com. All of the information you would ever need about the show is over there. So before I jump out of here, I'm going to play some music like I always do. Jared does these cool guitar shred collaborations on YouTube, and uh, I thought I would play one. He basically gets all of these crazy, awesome YouTube guitarists and metal guitarists and he has like a backing track and they all do like their own take on a shred and then it's all edited together and it's like a 10 minute song, but it's just the most epic thing ever. And uh, if you're a guitar nerd like me, you're totally going to love it. So here it is. It's called the biggest shred collab song in the world three. Thank you so much for the support. I love you guys and gals catch you next week. As always, this is Chris. Peace.
Hey, this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Turner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propaganda. Hi, this is Rory from No Use for Name. Hi. This is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh. 